0: Windows lock your doors, keep your loved ones near. Time is running out. It's here for fear. Oh.
1: Welcome. This is Ear for fear, and I'm Donovan, and
0: I'm Rick. And this is the podcast where we talk about scary movies or movies trying to be scary. Today we are going to be talking about 1985's uh, House starring William Cat. All right, so House. Uh, It says it came out in 1985 for actually released in 1986, but it was uh, filmed in 1985. Um, One of my favorite uh, um, movies from the uh, 80s. Uh, Let's give a quick uh, synopsis on it. Uh, Roger Cobb, who is played by William Cat is a Vietnam vet whose career as a horror novelist has taken a turn for the worse when his son, Jimmy, mysteriously disappears while visiting his aunt Elizabeth's house. Roger's, uh, Roger's search for Jimmy destroys his marriage and his writing career. The sudden death of his aunt brings Roger back to the house where his nightmares began. The evil within the home forces Roger to endure an agonizing journey into his past, and soon Roger learns that the house is a gateway to a hellish dimension. So, um, do you, did I, did you ever see this movie before?
1: Yeah. This is part of the repertoire of movies that you showed to me as a kid. I vaguely okay. remember this movie when I was younger, um, just yeah. because I remember parts of it. This was obviously before I knew what cheers was. Oh yeah. So I didn't recognize norm. Um, and then I just have like, I like this movie, I've seen this movie so long ago that I actually kind of have changed my memory of this movie. Like, I remember the Vietnam stuff, but then I'm, like, putting in stuff that wasn't in the movie that I think I just dreamt up of. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, what kind of stuff? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> I was thinking about this last night when I was watching it, but now that I've seen the movie, it's, like, overwritten
0: whatever I dreamt up. Oh, okay. If
1: that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I um, this I remember when this came out in the theater. I think I was when it came out in 86. I think early 86, February of 86. So I was 14 and I was, uh, I was living in Lodi at the time. And, and I'm sure Lodi nowadays, uh, 30 odd years later is, is, you know, has more people and more populated. But back then it was kind of a little smaller, smaller city. I'm not gonna say town, but smaller city. And it had a, uh, it had a, a an older, uh, movie theater. I, I think it either. It had one screen or two screens. It didn't have any more than two screens, but it was those cool older theaters. And I remember seeing this twice um, at the, that movie theater uh, in Lodi, and I loved it both times. I still enjoy the movie. It's one of my um, one of my favorites from from the eighties. It's uh, I, I mean it's it's it has some cool horror stuff, but it's just kind of you know has some humor and some comedy going on there. Some some decent special effects. I love the creatures with this thing um i i think the creatures i mean you know what are we 30 how many years later are we it's 20 25 years later i guess no 25 would put us at oh well 2012 oh oh gosh so this is okay so i'm really
1: (laughs) i'm really dating myself here so no uh, i used to think 20
0: years was like you know 1990 oh my gosh! so we're looking at like almost 35 years later yeah 35 years later i still think the creatures look um, damn, I'm old. Um, I think the, uh, uh, the creatures still look really cool. Yeah. You know, I just wish there was more of it, and, uh, you know, rewatching it again today. Cause I've seen this movie at least 10 times and, uh, rewatching it again today. I wish they would have done more of the creatures. Me too. Uh, cause the creatures are really like really cool. You this know, this movie's wearing a lot of hats
1: cause it has the Vietnam stuff. It's got the comedy stuff and then it's got the horror stuff.
0: So we'll talk about it. Yeah. So let's see, let's, before we jump in, uh, so we got William cat, uh, he's the, he's the main character, Roger Cobb, who's the, the, the writer, uh, we have, uh, George went, um, who plays his neighbor, Harold, um, he's like criminally underused in this movie. He really is. Um, and everyone would know him from cheers, uh, norm, um, and then, um, big Ben or Ben, Uh, You wouldn't know this, but there was a television show back in the 80s around the same time Cheers was out called Night Court and and Ben played by Richard Maul. So you had what was funny is when this movie came out, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. You got Cheers. uh, You have George went from Cheers and then you get Richard Maul from Night Court and they and and one started at nine, one started at nine thirty. And I want to say it was NBC back in the 80s um and i remember was that. night court popular was it a- i think yes night court was popular it wasn't <laughs> as popular as cheers it wasn't as popular as say because you had eight o'clock was the Cosby Show, eight thirty was Family Ties, nine was Cheers, which was a prime spot. And was then... Family
1: Ties the one with uh, Michael J. Fox? Correct. Yeah, dude, that's a crazy line. Dude, NBC just every now and then has the most like, crazy lineup.
0: That honestly, I I don't know if there's been any lineup that would compete with that. I would argue against uh, anybody. Really? Seinfeld,
1: yes. Friends, what else was on
0: part uh, of that lineup? Yeah. See I,
1: again. You don't remember? I don't remember. Oh, well, but, but see, how I do can, you not remember. You were in your twenties during that time because I
0: never was. A, <laughs> I never. I didn't watch Seinfeld like when it was out. Like I, I started it and then I came back to it later and appreciated it more. Mm-hmm. Um, friends, I watched a little bit of it here, but no. But when I, you know, when I'm fourteen or fifteen, and of course back then we didn't have you know DVR and all the all the stuff we have these days. I mean, we every it's limitless nowadays. Um, we didn't have that then, so. So Thursday night, I tuned in, watched Cosby show, watched Family Ties, Cheers and Night Court. And I love Night Court.
1: Um, yeah, okay. So Friends, Will, Grace, Frazier. That was after Seinfeld. Before uh, Seinfeld went off the air, you had, uh, let's see here. Friends. No, this one kind of sucks. This one kind of sucks. <laughs> see? Okay, never mind. I would,
0: I, I would argue okay. against anyone.
1: Oh, well, check this out, okay? Check this one out. Community. 30 rock the office parks and rec
0: for your generation yes these shows
1: are killer dude or community 30 rock did i already say that one yeah you did okay well this one kind of changes up a bit but that's a killer lineup right that's, that's there a that's good one lineup. of the best
0: let's see i never i but i, I like community um uh 30 rock i watched a little bit of it i did like that um office was cool oh hill Parks, street blues was right after night court for a while oh yeah hill street yeah yeah i'm to compete with that one and hill street blues had a good run for a while yeah so come on you know, that's five yeah, shows that's let's crazy see what, let's up, what you dude. got
1: did no? I'll, I'll argue for community thirty rock parks and rec. The office uh, You're gonna lose that argument. Okay, but, I'm sorry. Let's, but anyways, let's, let's
0: talk about this. So let's talk about house. Uh, so we kind of we've kind of gone over the main characters. Um, uh, did we know. talk
1: about Sandy?
0: Sandy? No, I mean Sandy's she's enough not a huge, to like talk yeah. about though. She is. I mean, she plays the wife of uh, Roger Cobb, played by William Cat. She's an actress. Uh, uh she's in she plays on a soap opera which is funny i was while rewatching watching the movie i was listening to the dialogue that was playing in the background on the tv when roger i think roger cobb was he was writing you know he's, he's writing his uh vietnam book and you could he was watching the tv and the oh my god the dialogue was just terrible and of course they did that on purpose but
1: i'm always a big fan of writers like making something purposely bad or cliche cause I think there's an art to it, yeah, and I'm like oh yeah i'm i'm like I was appreciating how bad it was, yeah, it was pretty,
0: what what the guy say something about he's a he was it's a like, pro- oh yeah, I'm a, a prostitute, prost- or i was he said I'm a male prostitute or something yeah. like that <laughs> what <laughs> about your, the, what about their time
1: at the pool, Linda <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, um so let's see, uh, directed by, I think this was directed by Steve Miner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Miner directed Friday the 13th part two and three. Uh, he's friends with, uh, Sh- uh Sean Cunningham, of course, as we know, did, uh, Friday the 13th. He also did what, the Lake Placid. E- yeah. They did a lot of stuff. I mean, Steve Miner did a lot of stuff. So did Sean Cunningham. Uh, interesting. I don't know if you check this out, but Fred Decker member from night of the creeps, you know, an earlier episode we did. He actually, um, this was his story and then his buddy, mm wrote the script and this feels it. a lot like his kind of movie. Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, uh, I, I noticed a few things watching this today that I had never, um, noticed before. And uh, I purposely, uh, looked out for certain things cause I knew, uh, Fred Decker had something to do with it. And we've already talked about uh, night of the creeps and, and, and his kind of recipe or formula that he uses in his movies. And, and you kind of seeing it here. Um, but he gets credited for like the story. Um, and then he, he wrote the story and then his buddy came in and did the script and added a lot more humor to it, which I'm glad he did. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I mean, right off the bat, did you like this movie? I mean, did you like it more when I showed it to you like 10, 15 years ago? Or did you like it? Do you like it less now that you watched it again, you know, last night?
1: I think the cutting to the Vietnam stuff when he's writing a story always felt a little weird to me, yeah. at least when I was younger. And I think that's what kind of tripped me up about the movie because it's, it's, it's being a couple movies at the same time. Um, it's got like this, uh, almost, I can't think of the word I'm, I'm trying to find, um, almost like this semi serious, but played up cliche, uh, like Vietnam story. Yeah. Where you've got like the cliche tough guy who ain't afraid of any of these Charlies in the trees. Yeah. Right. And he's got the big gun and he's trying to like kick some ass and, kill some dudes and then you've got um william Katz's character who uh, you know this is put, supposed to be his personal memoirs um it feels a little heightened to be a personal memoir but we'll just which i think when i was younger I always felt like oh yeah this is just a story he's writing but it's supposed to be true um so roger cobb is more of the like hey big ben let's keep you in check um, and all that stuff felt very strange to me. It felt like it was part of a different movie, even though it informs, you know, other stuff in this film, specifically the disappearance of Jimmy, um, the villain of the movie um, and sort of Cobb's own sort of well, the manifestation
0: of maybe a Gret he has. I yeah. don't know. No, I agree. I think it's it, it felt weird. It felt weird when I when I saw it in the 80s. It just seemed out of place.
1: Like it felt that you could have cut all of that down and then had a better movie for it. Um, Because I think most of the stuff in the house and when he's trying, when he's like uh, looking at the void that is like this portal to another world. Yeah, that's kind of that stuff is really cool and interesting. Or when he's like trying to take a like photographic proof of this crazy monster. All that (laughs) stuff is really cool. And I'm like down for that. But then you got like this Vietnam stuff that I think is really bogging it down. And it's not really adding too much to the movie. Um, so I've got mixed feelings on this movie. I like the idea behind it. I think it's a great idea, even though it is just kind of like another haunted house story. Um, but there's enough unique things to, the, that are going on in this movie to make it interesting. The portal stuff is cool. The monster stuff is cool. Um, the like messing with your head stuff is all cool. And then it's, it's not taking itself seriously. And that's the stuff that I like, um, but I think this movie's not executing all that stuff as well as I want it to. Hmm. And I know you saw this movie two times in theaters. Yeah, I did. You know, um, but I've now seen this movie twice: once as a kid and once as a, a much older adult. And I, I just the movie just doesn't work for me. Um, I want to like it more because I like a lot of the things it's trying to do, but it's not hitting the mark for me. I would like, you know, if you this was like a paper on my desk.
0: I'd be like, yeah, uh, B minus. Yeah. You know, like I understand. I understand what you're saying. Um, You know, I I think, too, you know, some of these older movies, they hold a place in my heart. Um, You know, um, I think that's probably why I like this one so much. Um, Not to mention that I just I I think there's a lot of cool things that are happening. I agree with you on the the Vietnam stuff, but it it seemed hokey and and real kind of low budget. Um, That's that's what it kind of sounded like to me. Um, but it's relevant to the story because I mean, we, you know, we know as, as this movie goes along, he ends up, he ends up back in this, yeah, this weird, weird realm or something where he sees, he finally finds his kid and, and he's, he's, he's being held kind of captive, so to say. And, uh, so it's all kind of relevant to the story. So it is hokey, kind of cheesy. Nah, low very low budgety. Um, I mean, look, it's hard to recreate a, a you know, a, a a jungle in Vietnam. You know, it really spanked of, you know, just some set somewhere.
1: Oh, I was fine with all that. Really? Yeah. I
0: didn't. I didn't like it at all.
1: Um, like I can work with the movie. I know it was only made for three million dollars. Yeah. Um but like I can suspend my disbelief when it comes to like set dressing, if I'm cool with the story, but all the Vietnam stuff, I was just, just cut it down you know, I don't want to be here right now. Um, I think it's, I, I think it's a, a a ballsy element to
0: throw into a horror movie.
1: I don't disagree with you there. It, 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 it makes it interesting.
0: And I just don't think it works. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, so how we want to tackle this thing. I mean, we, you know, we know, um, I mean, we could kind of jump around a little bit. We know, um, the beginning of the movie, uh, You know, we have a a grocery boy (laughs) delivering groceries to, uh, I think this is uh, Aunt uh, Hooper, which is funny. I mean, that's got to be a, again, because Fred Decker's involved with this. Toby Hooper, Miss Aunt Hooper. Yeah, yeah. I'm almost positive this is some sort of, he does this a couple times in the movie. Can you explain what the reference is? So so Toby Hooper is a horror director. Mm -hmm. And so we know we know these guys are huge fans of horror and they did it in Night of the Creeps. Remember, I mean, they riddled Night of the Creeps with uh, character names from um, from either either uh, horror directors or writers. They did that throughout Cronenberg, Carpenter, you know. Yeah. So we, we know we know they did that before. I believe Mrs. Hooper is is simple is basically a a, an homage paying homage to Toby Hooper. Um, They do it. They do it a a little later in the movie where um, when the aunt's home goes up for sale. I don't know if you saw the sign, but it said uh, Craven Realty. That's got to be a play for Wes Craven. I mean, that's around the time of the height of. Uh, film Street, so I believe that's what's happening here.
1: At some point, this stops being cute for me and being like, "Come on, man!" But they
0: only did it a couple times. (laughs) So they in Night of the Creeps, they 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 like we said in the in the previous episode, we did Night of the Creeps. They they hit you over the head with it over and over again. It wasn't it wasn't it it just seemed too much. In this one, they just sprinkled it a little bit here and there. I I caught it. I I I, you know I think I mean come on, Craven Realty Hoopers could be debatable. Like Craven Realty, that's got to be Wes Craven.
1: So I'm done with it. Yeah. So um, um, so, yeah, this opening shot, this is like a perfect example of what I'm trying to say with this movie, where I like the ideas where it's going. It doesn't quite hit the mark. Now, this 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 opening shot is a oneer for the vast majority of it. So we start in the back of the house. We go around the side of the house. We see that kid on the bike delivering the groceries and he goes up to the front door. And so we're getting a good overview of what's outside of the home, um, which is a great establishing shot for the location and the setting of the movie where that's going to take place. But it's only on the outside, and it turns out like the backyard and the side of the house and the front of the house just isn't all that important. So you've got, you kind of got like the stylish filmmaking that doesn't serve a whole lot of purpose. It's still cool. A lot of more adept filmmakers use this technique to, you know, give us spatial awareness of where everything is, but here just like, okay, it's, it's neat. Um, I do appreciate the planning because getting that timed up with the kid coming in the frame seems pretty hard. Um, you know, but it, it doesn't quite hit the mark for, for the, the reason to do that. Um, and then what I wish they had done is if they had done that same exact shot, but continued it into the house, had, uh, the grocery boy, Look at all the relevant rooms you're going to see in the movie. You know, the bathroom, the kitchen, the side rooms where one is the study, I think. Then go upstairs and go into, you know, check the boys' room, the bathroom up there. And then uh, where Aunt Hooper kills herself along, which I think is the same room with the closet, right? Yes, I believe it is. So I wish the movie, if it was going to commit to that oneer, to have just, you know, done the work. And I've done all that. So we knew exactly where everything was. It only barely does that um, when the grocery boy goes inside. But we really only see him go up the stairs and directly into Aunt Hooper's, you know, like room.
0: Yeah. Did he did he go in more than one room? No, just the one he was going down the hallway. I think he heard it went into the room and that's when he found her. She she had hung herself.
1: Right. And I wish the movie, because the movie knows to give us some sort of awareness. That's what it's trying to do in that opening shot. But then it doesn't continue with the commitment in the next sort of oneer that happens with the boy going up the stairs, looking at the painting, and going into her, um, her room. And I was like, well, if you knew to do that outside, why didn't you do it inside and show us all the stuff? You know, it was a perfect opportunity to do it in this little
0: vignette, but you didn't do it. So do you think, hold on, let me, okay, so let me, let let me, um, let me be clear. So you think when he went into the house, do you think he should have gone in all the rooms or they should have just, they should have, uh, you know, gone into the rooms, not in him necessarily, but the camera work? The camera should have given
1: us a good overview of the entire place. It had another opportunity to do that when, uh, is it Hopper Cop? Oh, Roger Cobb. Thank you. Because mm-hmm. we're talking about a movie next week where it's Hobb is a very important. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so funny.
0: I know. It's just coincidental. OK, too. So
1: I need to just think of corn. So Roger Cobb, you know, he later on in the film, um, he goes back to the house because that's his aunt. And that's another opportunity when he's looking through the place. Another opportunity
0: to give us one continuous shot so we know where everything is. I don't I, I know the type of shot you're referring to. And it was big in mid to late 70s. Those types of movies. No, this is big all the time. Dad. Uh, this is I don't like know. people I, are like, this. this is like something you masturbate to. Like, I'm dead serious. People love oners. I don't know. I mean, I, I know what you're saying. I don't know if I agree with this type of movie. I don't know if it if it warranted that. Like, you know, the movie we did a couple uh, uh, episodes ago, The Changeling, that did it. And I'm sure you enjoyed that. They did that with the the type of scene where they, you know, it's like they're going up the stairs and they're going, you know, from floor to floor into the bedrooms and, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know,
1: my my point is for this one is that if you're going to like the best way for us to have great social or, you know, a very good understanding of of the space is to give us one continuous shot that's unbroken so we just have a map in our head. You can do that by cutting as long as you have sort of marks in the shot that are matching up between the cuts. Um, but it's most effective in a water. And my issue is that it does it outside of the house quite well for you know locations that don't really matter. And I don't even think we see the pull in that shot, do we?
0: Um, I, I think we, we just start
1: in the tree and we don't even see the pull. So, you know, yeah, I've just I just got to see the pool and that's important. Um, so I just feel like it was a missed opportunity. And I feel like in a microcosm, that's this whole movie as it's it has an idea of what it needs to be doing, but it doesn't quite do it as well as it can. And that's kind of where my thoughts on this movie are. It's good. I quite like most of it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a lot of room for improvement in this film. Um, but anyway, Grocery Boy comes in. He sees aunt Hooper dead. And then we cut yeah. to, um, yeah, she
0: hung herself uh, in the house in the in that bedroom that we're going to, you know, get quite familiar with as the movie goes on. Yeah. Funeral. That's Her- where we're introduced to Cobb. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah, we see Roger Cobb. Not a lot of people there. Um, I, I don't know. There's a, I, I don't know. You know, if that's really important. I think the guy just says, Hey, your aunt, your aunt was a lot of things, but you know, what did he say? Crazy. She wasn't or something like that. He's
1: like saying she's crazy, but she's not crazy. Yeah. Now my wife, she's
0: crazy. Yeah. You one, know, like yeah. that 1980s the, humor. Yeah. That humor, right. At a, at a funeral when my aunt's going in the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then I think the next scene is him because you know, he's a writer He's doing a book signing um, and, you know, and he writes, uh, he writes horror, you know, writes horror uh, books. And so you got a lot of interesting characters in line.
1: And this is probably to, one to of my his, favorite parts of yeah. the movie, too, where you kind of just have like a smorgasbord of different types of personalities reading. His you really books. do. And he just got like this close up shot of each one. Like it's their in profile. You see their face. You see, you basically know who these people are just by looking at them and the one thing they say that's like really cool i was like when i was watching i was like oh yeah this movie's gonna be pretty sweet if it keeps this up but you know it kind of falters
0: for for me a bit yeah a lot of different characters there did you notice the one the one lady that was further back in the line and she was she goes oh aren't you married to so and so and he goes yeah but we're divorced that's that's the lady from uh, austin powers remember Mm -hmm. the one that always yelled uh you know she'd always yell yeah yeah. i forget forget the actress's name but Yeah. yeah that was her I know exactly and who you're talking about. No one else I really recognized. I mean, there was one guy that was like a, almost like a combination of like Billy Idol and some, and, and I don't know, uh, flock of seagulls or something. <laughs> right. You're talking about Mindy Sterling. She's the, uh, yeah. from Austin Powers. Yeah. So she was, she was the one in the line where she was yelling at him, you know, no, but, but you know, uh, you know, he does his, he does his autograph signing. We know uh, his, his agent is not happy that he's writing. He, he hasn't done a book in like a year. Um, he's doing this, this Vietnam book and, and his agent's not happy. Um,
1: yeah. So this was in 1986, Stephen King would have been popular around this time, right? Oh yeah. This would have been a pretty good time to, you know, or at least the public would have been somewhat aware of like horror writers. It seems to be like a popular genre at the time. Yeah. I mean, King Coons, I mean, there's a lot of different Mm -hmm. ones, you know? So yeah. And then, you know, just imagine Stephen Keen. Well, now I'm going to talk about my time in Vietnam. I know. Can Probably you not that? the most interesting one. You've got, like, this establishment of, yeah. uh, you know, like... Probably piss
0: off a lot of fans, right?
1: Yeah, and, you know,
0: your publisher's trying to make money, so... So he's, uh, let's see, he's back at his, looks like his crappy-ass apartment, throwing... Did you see the microwave? Remember we talked in a previous episode with Morris about the microwave meals? There's no way you put a microwave meal with the cardboard on it though right Well you don't I think yeah. that was his lazy way of going my life sucks and so he throws it in there no you don't do that um and I don't think you put it in for 30 minutes I mean now that was the 80s I can't imagine it would it would take 30 minutes um that's a long time ago for me my memory stinks but I'm pretty sure it wasn't 30 minutes no. then is then is what is his ex-wife calls he pretends he's got guys over um, you know, just, just so that she can, she can get the impression that he's not sulking and, and, you know, uh, not doing anything right now with his life. And, you know, um,
1: but. yeah, I always find that so interesting. And when we see like artists, like, uh, the writer as an artist, you know, just because there seems to always be this downtime in their lives. And if there is any sort of downtime, like, oh yeah, it's a problem. Whereas, uh, the Sandy character in this film, she's an actor. And if her, her downtime is going to like lavish parties, yeah. where you've got like producers on her arm trying to get her away from a phone call to her ex-husband, it's like, oh yeah, if I had to make a comparison between the two professions, like writers
0: got it way worse yes, than actors. Yes. Not to um, mention most writers isolate themselves. Right. You know, we know, actors, actresses, they do not. They're always in the spotlight. Writers aren't. How often do you really see writers out and about? You don't. You only hear about them when their book comes out and and people love it. They hate it, you know, but they isolate themselves. You have to, you know, how else can you write and concentrate if you're not in in some sort of isolation? Yeah. You know, Um, or, you
1: know, as a a cop says, a
0: solitude solitude. Yeah. Um, Did you notice uh, again, this goes back to what I said earlier on um, when he called the FBI just to see if they had any additional information about his son. Because we find we we know as this movie goes along his son's missing. So he he calls the FBI and the FBI says no, so nothing new. Hey, by the way, can can you stop calling Officer Decker? <laughs> that uh, you know, Fred Decker story. Right. Yeah. I think that's the only three times I'd caught. Do you so, I don't care about that. I man. know. I just thought I never caught it before, happened to catch it today. I thought it was kind of funny. But um, so I, I think he just decides he's going to go and stay at the house. Right. I mean, my well, boy, he's is- trying to
1: write the book at his yeah. apartment and Solitude. it's not
0: working. Solitude. Yeah. Solitude yeah. isn't going to work at that crappy ass apartment.
1: Yeah. So he meets with the realtor at the aunt's house and then he's like, nope, I'm not going to sell it. I'm going to move in instead. Sorry for your paycheck, but it's not coming. Yeah. And then he starts to move in. It's a cool house, though. I
0: love the house. That as a house whole. is huge, dude. It's huge. Yeah. But I just love the. The, everything about it, the cool architecture, what's funny is that 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 house looks like it's in a regular neighborhood. It, it would completely stand out in your normal standard subdivision these days.
1: Well, for me, I just assumed all the houses were like that on that street. No. Don't we see like Tanya's house for a second? Isn't her house no. just
0: like that? Nope. Hers was just a regular house and Harold's was just a regular small little house. It you, just we, see, we don't see Harold's house yeah, we do. at all. Yeah, we, we see his house. <laughs> what? I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah. We see, see like, the inside of his house. No, we see, like, a a quick shot, I think, of his house, and Mm. it just looks like a little tiny house. Mm. And especially when you see the inside of his house, it looks super tiny, so you just get the idea it's a small house.
1: Well, the uncle was, like, a fisherman, apparently pretty famous. Maybe he had a lot of money from fishing. I don't know. Maybe.
0: I don't know. Was he a fisherman? I know he caught that blue marlin, but...
1: Well, the realtor's like, oh, yeah, I heard your uncle was quite the fisherman. Uh, he held that record for that, that
0: Marlow for mm-hmm. like multiple years. Marlin, yeah, for like two years or something, yeah. Is it a Marlin? Marlin. I, don't I know. think it's a blue Marlin. I don't care. Those are big ass. Like Those were like game fish, you know, like those were like the ones you get on, you know, you get in the ocean and you rent a big ass boat and all the fancy equipment to try to, to, try to land one of those Do things. you eat Marlin? Oh, I don't know. I uh, can well, I can tell you I've never had Marlin.
1: So you just kill a fish for no reason. I think, reason and I think it's like, for
0: trophy. It's that's, yeah. Okay. Isn't that stupid? I know. Yeah. There's a lot of people that do that.
1: Okay. Um so he moves in. Uh does the weird stuff. Oh yeah. The weird stuff kind of starts happening pretty quickly because he he like hears a voice or creaking from upstairs, goes to check it out. I think along the way, he sees his, his old kid's room that really hasn't changed at all. And then he goes into his aunt's room. And then, you know, he sees her about to hang herself. And he's just like, oh, yeah, the house beat me.
0: Yeah. I didn't get, know it was going get, to. Get out, Roger. I don't know how it beat me, but it did. Get out while you can. And then, of course, it's just, a you know, it's just a ghost. Oh, dude, I, just, lo- I love that. I do, too. Yeah. That's a cool little scene. Now, do you think that the bedroom is is his son's bedroom? or Because remember, we know that he grew up there or is it his old bedroom you think it's
1: his bedroom hasn't changed because my my impression is that they the three of them the family lived in with the aunt for a period of time
0: is that the impression yeah, yeah. i just thought they maybe you know they were just they just visited a lot
1: it's possible but the movie's not clear on it's it it's
0: possible It's a huge house i mean it's possible they lived with her i i you know, rewatching, and I'm like, well, was that his old bedroom? Because we, because you know, he says, well, you know, my aunt raised me. So,
1: well, Jimmy has like a thing for cars, and the bed was a car. Yeah, I just assumed it was Jimmy's bedroom.
0: It could be. I mean, his his way of getting close, you know, to him. That, that now that he's gone, right? You know, but yeah, weird weird shit is happening already, right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we got yeah, so we got that. You know, he's, I think he meets a Harold. You know, right around this time, uh, Harold recognizes that he's the, Harold played by George He recognizes he's Roger Cobb, the writer, blah, 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 you know, so. So,
1: Right, he's got a book of, uh, (laughs) he's got a Cobb book, but it's all like (laughs) torn apart. There's no no seam or anything. It's just
0: pages. Yeah, he goes to have him sign it. It falls all over the ground and, and, you know.
1: It's interesting, too, because Cobb seems to be a popular writer. Um, he does seem to be like of that keen mold where people just seem to know who he is, you know. Like yeah. all he says is like his name is Cobb Roger Cobb and it's like, oh yeah, the writer Roger Cobb. That doesn't happen for most writers. Yeah. I I huh. think even in the mid eighties I was like that. I didn't live back then, but how many writers do you know these days? Probably not a lot, I unless know. you're like an actual book reader and you're like in that community. But we're talking about just some random guy. You know, so yeah. I just find that interesting that Cobb seems to be like this very famous guy
0: living in a horrible, crappy apartment.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe writers in the 80s didn't get paid well. I don't know.
1: No, it's um. um so. so
0: what happens next? Oh, man. A lot of weird shit starts happening. Um, I think we get what do we get the whole blue the, the Marlin situation where because little things are happening here and there. I'll be
1: honest, like most of this movie, when it comes to the, the weird event stuff, just kind of all kind of
0: mesh in my brain is happening almost at the same time. It, it almost, well, you know, it kind of, it kind of is. Um, I think he hears, you know, he hears the, um, I think he's, you know, he's, he's trying to sit down and, and do some writing on that, that really super old computer, um, I mean, we have it lucky these days, the computers nowadays versus then. It just cracks me up looking back at those. But anyways, he's doing some writing. Um, he hears a noise and then he turns back and then the Marlin that's, you know, stuffed and hanging on the wall goes crazy. Uh, he beats it over the head with the trophy. I think he goes to grab a shotgun, puts a hole in it, throws a, you know, throws a, a, a towel or something over the top of it. I think in the
1: I'm trying to get the shotgun, though, like. Gardening tools start being
0: thrown at them. Um, Is that no? No, I think the gardening tools are close. Like, did not the gardening tools remind you of Evil Dead too? Uh, I was gonna make that
1: comparison at yeah, some point when we're did. talking about this movie. A lot of this movie feels inspired by the Evil Dead.
0: Yeah,
1: down to a guy dealing with crazy shit happening in one place. Yeah, that basically describes Evil Dead two to a T. Yeah, and most of Evil Dead. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, but definitely things being thrown at him is very evil dead too.
0: Yeah. He, I, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know he, um, I know he goes up to, uh, I think he hears something in the, uh, in that bedroom where his aunt had hung, hung herself and he goes to open up the door, you know, doesn't see anything. And then he goes to turn away and it, you know, the, the, Bing, old yeah, yeah. yeah the 12 old, o'clock. those old, uh, those old clocks, uh, why would a
1: clock being at twelve like p- a.m. though? People are sleeping at that time.
0: Um, oh, you know, it's a good question. I, I, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. A lot of those old clocks did that. Was that I something you could set up? Maybe I never had. Why one. on
1: earth would you do it at twelve a.m. when you're asleep?
0: I don't know. That is a good question. Does maybe this movie maybe sucks the, now. Maybe the aunt purposely did that because she knew when twelve twelve a.m. Mm-hmm. hit, she knew not to go in that closet i don't know but he doesn't know any of this so he goes and you know what we're kind of doing the movie's work for it
1: but what if that was there to signal that that's when the portal opens up to wherever
0: yes yeah
1: you know that kind of sucks
0: for a sleep schedule though it does yeah so he so 12 a.m hits he goes to open the door big ass creature you know um attacks him ends up i think uh scratching him on the chest um you know he's a little he's a little freaked out i, I don't think it comes as as too much of a shock because i think he always believes something was up with this house
1: yeah he seems to be kind of he's not cool with it obviously he's, he's shaken up by it but there is like a an acceptance to it and he handled himself pretty well i think so yeah it's it's almost kind of weird how well he handled himself um and this is when he goes and buys all that <laughs> all the equipment I was thinking how much money that would have cost oh him, especially for a writer living in like an OK apartment. Like that must have been back in that money, like tens of thousands of dollars, because he looked like he had like state of the art, like video mm-hmm. cameras. Oh, we did. In the mid
0: 80s, dude. Oh, all that stuff was ridiculous back then. Yeah. Remember, I told you, I mean, the VCR was five to seven hundred dollars. Can you imagine what all that recording equipment and cameras and regular cameras and all the stuff? He, I, yeah. Yeah you're probably right easily over 10 grand.
1: All right. I just want to like make a quick comparison or I'm sorry, a a correction. I was watching, I forget what the YouTube channel is, but I just want to say that porn wasn't the main driving force for the success of VHS. I think there were some other factors going on in there, but I just want to put it out there that I'm I'm aware of it and that (laughs) I, I don't want to be spreading misinformation. So I'm sorry
0: that was that was a few episodes back we talked yeah i
1: was uh, i think it was in the phantasm episode no
0: no i think it was uh, my bloody valentine
1: i think it was my phantasm was it phantasm i yeah darren was part of that conversation oh okay
0: well then then it definitely was phantasm if darren was part of it
1: anyway he goes crazy buys a billion things just so he can get some proof opens the closet door you know everything's recording about to take a picture nothing is there he hasn't you know, figured out yeah, that it's uh, midnight where all that crazy stuff happens. Yeah. Um, and then I think, like, he's doing a test run, right? And then he goes, he's, like, in his Vietnam garb, does a test run, opens the door, has, like, this thing where he's running outside of the apartment. Or I'm <laughs> sorry, the house. Yeah. The, this giant house, <laughs> not the apartment. And then, he, you know, he, he gets to the front porch or whatever, does his victory pose, and then, like, Norm is, his Her- dog is yeah. just on his yard. Harold.
0: Harold. I'm sorry. And it's George Wynn. Right. But I'm Harold, just, yeah, just going to no, know him from Norm. I know, dude. It's, it's almost impossible not to say Norm. But yeah, he's walking his dog. He sees him and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm just doing bro- book writing stuff. Got to get back to my. <laughs> this solitude. is like
1: my favorite line in the movie. <laughs> George Wen's character. Harold's like, oh, writing sure looks like fun. huh?" Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure any writer would tell you that writing sucks. Oh, yeah. Uh, I th- I forget who said this, but they said um, like. Having written is really great, but writing is terrible. You know, so I'm pretty sure that was just like the writer making like a really funny joke that you know probably only writers would find super funny. Yeah. Um, But yeah, then he goes back to it, and then he uh, what happens next?
0: I well, he goes to you know he does he does that run. You know he 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 pulls the he pulls the door. Nothing's there. Um, He goes to do his thing. I think he ends up showering. He goes to take something. I think he brushes teeth. He he opens up the medicine cabinet. I noticed a um I noticed a bottle of pills that said Roger Cobb on it and it said Valium. And so it's like was it Roger Cobb taking Valium as an adult after the sun disappeared or was it little Roger Cobb growing up in in, in uh, Aunt Hooper's, you know, crazy freaky house and I need Valium to to, you know, calm me down. What does Valium do? Uh it's supposed to help with anxiety and other things, but it also causes paranoia. My,
1: since this was, uh, Vietnam was still fresh in people's minds. I wouldn't be surprised if I, I, like, I don't know the history of like PTSD, but I know like Vietnam, um, like PTSD seemed to be like a thing that was emerging as like an actual like sickness, yeah. disease, yeah, you know, mental correct. disorder. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Valium was almost like just this thing where we know a lot of Vietnam soldiers might've taken some sort of drug to ease their, anxiety or stress to some degree yeah maybe that's why it was there but maybe he wanted to not take it anymore for some reason but he still has it still has it yeah yeah Yeah. like this movie doesn't explain a lot um i will say when it comes to like the portal next dimension type of thing i'm like really into it
0: yeah then you've got like this
1: little stuff where you kind of just have to read in between the
0: lines and that's fine um but it's that's not explained no, it's not and i you know, and I'm okay just you know um not knowing i it just it just had me curious i I never caught it before, and I caught it today when I was rewatching it, and I'm like, oh, you know right. um but um yeah he he does that and then he hears the the clock go off, and it's twelve, and he's like, huh, you know, so he goes to um he goes to go you know pull the door, and then uh Harold comes in at midnight well what what neighbor of yours, who I barely know shows up?" In my house at midnight with, I don't know, it was beer and Chinese food. Yeah, if
1: uh, Harold was more of like an obsessed fan, I'd be more like willing to believe that. But it's just weird. It doesn't make a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, I mean, I guess it it, it helped with the, you know, with the story. But I mean, yeah, what what, I, I don't know any friends or neighbors that would just show up to my house you know i met you once i'm or pretty twice. sure he had like food and beers so well he did he did have food and beer but but it, but at midnight i just met you and you come into the you didn't knock you came into the house and so it freaks roger out there's a
1: lot of that in this movie he does that yeah. a couple of times he does. I don't get it like well, <laughs> yeah. i think even back in the 80s i wasn't like a thing where people are just barging into people's homes N-
0: uh no No, no, I thought I I knew of, but, uh, but you know, he, they, they go downstairs, drink some beer, eat some Chinese food, you know, Roger explains to him, Hey, my aunt thought this house was haunted, you know, no offense, but your, your, your aunt was Looney Tunes and he, and then, you know, he, he tells him, look, I think there's ghosts in this house. Well,
1: you know, um, the more I think about this movie, the, the, the more each scene feels inconsequential. A lot of this movie just feels like a premise to have like gags throughout most of the movie, right? Um, even the cop scene, probably the team, yeah. with the scene with the most tension, is just kind of like a thing where nothing of note happens. Um, so in that scene, we've got the fake Sandy getting shot, which is really some monster,
0: right? Yeah. I mean, Harold calls Sandy up. She steals Roger's phone book and hey, you know, I'm worried about him, uh, but she can't, you know, she's shooting the next day. So, you know, I'll keep an eye on him. And yeah. So, um, but
1: my point is, is that when I'm thinking about this movie as we're talking about, it, I'm like, oh yeah, this scene could have been cut. This scene could have been cut. The scene could have been cut because nothing's actually driving the movie forward. There's a,
0: there. I don't know. I mean, there's a like few... it's not until
1: like the last thirty minutes of the movie where like the plot actually kicks in.
0: I don't know. Though. We could almost I mean, cut like
1: all of Act Two, and then we would be like exactly the same.
0: Uh yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, because this this movie kind of holds a place in my heart. I don't. I don't want to say you're right, but you're not wrong either. Um, there are a few things that you know. Rewatching it, going, yeah, I, you know, we could have got rid of that and got rid of that, but. But, you know, I'm so used to it because I've seen it so many times that it's just, you know, it's just ingrained with me. So, you know, um, so, yeah, I mean, he I I think we see a, a, a Sandy at the door. We think it's her in this purple dress. Um, he right. has the shotgun. He puts the puts the shotgun in the in the shells on the table. One of the shells, you know, falls down. She goes to pick it up and all of a sudden comes up and it's not her. It's some, you know, some cool, creepy monster, you know, woman. I love this thing. I, this is typical eighties for me. Um, I love all the vibrant colors for it. It's hokey, but it works. It's also
1: very slimy movies back then really like to add some slime to their monster design.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, they did. You know, there's a lot of movies that were like that back then. You know, I don't know. I just, yeah, you know, so, um, I, you know, they do their thing. I think he ends up, uh, he ends up shooting her, right? Yeah, like in the stomach. Yeah, twice with the shotgun. She flies out into the house. Of course, Harold Out of the House. Out of the house, yeah. Um, onto kind of near the porch area, the stairs area. Um and uh so uh Harold hears it, thinks, you know, crap, he's trying to kill himself, you know. He's 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 gone a little he's gone a little loony, you know, he thinks there's ghosts, this and that, and and so Harold calls the police. The police come out in the meantime he grabs, you know, the the woman is now the woman is now gone. The you know, the creature is now gone and it's it's his wife. And he's of yeah. course devastated. Holy shit, I, I killed my ex wife.
1: I'm curious what the movie would have done if they had showed it from Harold's perspective, because Harold sees him go to pick up the body, but he doesn't see the body. Right? Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't see um, So either. I'm curious if if Harold had seen it, would he have seen the monster or Sandy? Because I think you know, a Cobb scene. Sandy is just a house playing a trick on him, right? Pretty much. Yeah, um, and the house messes with them. I wish the movie had shown us what Harold saw, but the movie, for some reason, like, well, let's not get Harold into the picture quite yet. Let's keep him at arm's length.
0: Well, I think it was because of the view where Harold was in his house. All, all he could see was Roger on the, I know what you mean. I know what you're saying. Okay, my bad. I understand what you're saying. You kind of seen what what Harold would have seen if the shrubs and everything wasn't in the way.
1: Right. I kind of see. And this is I think now that we're talking about this, I think the pacing of the movie is all screwed up for me. Like if, if we're just having too much fun, like if you like the fun stuff in this movie, I think you're having a good time. But for me, I want the movie to be propelled forward in every single scene. And we're not getting that with all these fun scenes. What if you brought in Harold a little bit sooner with, you know, him seeing like this dead creature that he shot instead of Sandy. Right. And now Harold is part of the whole scene. And then Harold's introduced to it a little bit sooner. Wow. And so instead of like the last 30 minutes or whatever, where he's like at the harpoon and the monster or whatever, like we, I, I already say Harold is under, or George went is underused in this film. He should have been brought in way sooner. been part of the antics. I think we would have had a better wow. movie for it.
0: I'm not saying he wasn't underused, but I don't think I'd like the idea of him him being part. He's he's a, he's part of it a little bit and I think that was perfectly fine for me. I think too much would have taken away from the atmosphere of the movie and and this is really about, you know, Roger Cobb beating this house by himself, not not with his not with his neighbor Harold that he, you know, guy that he barely knows. This was all about him conquering this. And I think you adding heralding the equation more takes away from it that's my opinion
1: i think well and i know it's your opinion because you're saying it whatever um i'm gonna beat you so i think this movie doesn't really have much of a theme um i think if it did it would have played a little bit more um with that idea i just think that kind of pops up at the very end of the film where he beats the house quote-unquote and he beats big ben which is supposed to be like this manifestation of the house you know, but I don't think the movie does a good job of establishing all of that until the very end. And at that point, it's like, OK, well, I don't feel any stakes because of the movie. We've just been having a good time doing silly stuff this entire time.
0: You know, So that doesn't work for me. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, I, I don't disagree with some of the stuff you're saying. I, I, I'm just so used to it a certain way. I'm OK with it. I'm okay with the way it was done. I, I felt, you know, um, pacing was good. You know, there are a few things here and there that I wouldn't have, you know, mind being, you know, cut out or changed, but, but as a whole, I don't, I, I don't think like, I would change anything. Cause I'm so, you know, I'm so used to this version. And like, I and think, again, I grew up on this version. So. I think this
1: movie would have been better if it established sooner that Jimmy was alive and that the house had Jimmy. Um, because we don't see Jimmy until he's basically saved. You know, we see that thing in the painting where Jimmy is trapped in the mirror. Yeah. Right. And then he goes through the the mirror in the bathroom, you know, uh, down to basically back to Vietnam, which is just the house saying, OK, I know this is a hard time for you. So welcome back. Also, here's Big Ben and he's somehow involved. Um, but then Jimmy is immediately found in that cage. He gets Jimmy out of there, being chased by what Big Big Ben and soldiers, right? Just random. No, out soldiers. the soldiers
0: were earlier on. Okay, yeah, because remember he went into the closet. This is when he did have Harold's help, and you know he says there's a raccoon in the closet, and yeah, and Harold's got the uh, the what is it, the spear gun, and you know he's you could tell he's freaked out, and he's like, holy shit, you know, and so. Um, opens the closet, you know, Rogers beating the, the creature, um, you know, Harold shoots it with the spear gun. Of course it does nothing. Yeah. It's Um, like, well, I mean, it,
1: it makes it so Cobb gets caught with a fishing line and dragged into that gets dragged
0: in that little, that, yeah, that other dimension. And, uh, that's when you see, uh, he sees Ben, um, you know, Ben, he's essentially flashing back to when Ben was shot. Um, and he didn't do anything about it. And so Ben's there and, and he has an opportunity to kill Ben, put him out of his misery. Cause you know, the, he's going to be tortured. And so, um, he doesn't do it. Ben gets captured and then, you know, cop gets chased through like a light, which is basically the door from the closet. That's what I think you're referring to. Um, but, but later on, it's just Ben coming after him.
1: Okay. Anyway, my point is, is that we don't know Jimmy is alive until. He's saved. He saved a second. He saved like a couple minutes later. There's no stakes or drama in all that. And then it's just a fight with Big Ben. And then I don't feel there's a whole lot of tension there either. And the film could have worked better if it was just written in a way where Cobb isn't just conquering the house. He's saving his son. But we don't know he's saving his son until the very end of the
0: movie. Well, I mean, the the way they did it is, is you know, we the sun disappeared, and and the aunt, you know, the ant thinks it was the house. Well, we know it's the house down down. You know, as, as the movie goes along, but I, I didn't have an issue with that. I mean, this was him dealing with all the stuff in the house, you know, to try to to try to figure out what was happening. You know, um, you know, to, to I don't know, take it take it one step. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but but you know, to get through all of these different elements of the house and and learning the nuances of the house and and all the that shit that's going on in it. You know, we. We have, you know, we have that that creepy woman that he ends up, he ends up killing uh, with the flying uh, garden tools, buries her in the back. Then we're introduced really to that neighbor across the street, the one that he saw her in the film jogging. Um, and, uh, you know, she uh, ends up showing up later with her son. It's like, and this I found this funny too. It's like, well, I met you one time and hey, by the way, can you babysit my son? <laughs> you know? That just seemed odd to me, but yeah, he's ends up becoming a babysitter for this, this woman he's met once. Um, And he, you know, so the the baby falls asleep. He starts doing some more writing, some more flashbacks, you know, but this is the part I wish they would have. I wish they would have done more of this is when those little creepy kids with the weird faces. And I love those faces. I wish they would have done more of that. I love, I just love the creature work in this movie. And I thought if maybe they could have done just a little more of it. You know, just a little, just, just bring a little more throughout. That would have been cool. Cause we could have done a little less of the Vietnam and maybe some more of that. That would probably be my only, like my only issue with it. Cause I really like them. I just thought they did a hell of a job with those, with the, with the, with the creatures, you know?
1: Yeah. I don't actually remember the kids if I'm being honest. No, I think a lot is, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just learning. I do not like this movie. (laughs) Oh yeah. I'm sorry, dad. Oh, the the more we talks. talk about it, the more I'm just like, yeah, this movie does not work for me.
0: It's okay. I mean, you're, um, you're entitled to uh, your opinion. Um, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, I, I, you know, nothing that you'll say will change my mind. I just, it's a movie I really like. I really enjoy, um, you know, but I, yeah, the, the kids were there. They show them like twice and they're grabbing the little, the little baby and they're taking them up the, uh, the chimney and that you see yes there. Okay, yeah. now
1: I remember these. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, no these are cool. Yeah, the creature design's cool. Right? The movie's not um I don't know, man.
0: Well, anyway, so we have um what else do we got here? Uh, you know, we know um the, the neighbor picks up the baby, um you know, uh then we got some more, you know, more uh you know, more stuff with I think, you know, the, 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 he, I think he has an epiphany, doesn't he? When he, when he, uh, when he goes down to the shed or I, I don't know if it's like a painting room or a shed, let's just call it a shed. Cause there's garden tools in there. I'm sure that's where the aunt painted, but it has that creepy painting, which I, I love this painting. But originally when we see it, there's a, like like a towel over the top of the uh, the top left corner. Well, he removes the towel. Then he sees, he sees the, um, the bathroom, the bathroom mirror and his, his son in it. So. You know, yeah. he go, he goes up there and tries to figure out, OK, what's what's going on here? Opens it up. Nothing's there.
1: Right. And this is like an hour into the movie. Oh, yeah. Jimmy might be alive and in this house. But we find it out like, well, an hour into this movie is where we've had all these antics. and I'm like, OK, well, cool. Maybe we should have had this a lot earlier. Um, like it's, it's one thing to establish like the rules of the house. But you got to do that quick. You don't want to spend an hour of your movie just trying to get to the meat of it. Like uh, just it doesn't work for me, man. So that finally happens. And then we get all that stuff we've already talked about where it comes to, you know, rescue, you know, experimenting with that, that mirror going down there and then seeing what's down there. And that's where we find Jimmy Yeah, meets Big Ben has a fight with Big Ben. And, you know, there's no, there's no stakes there, you know? So I think the bulk of this movie is, are you going to have fun with it? Because if not, then there's really no other reason see, to, to see, watch I, it.
0: I have fun with it. Right. So uh, You didn't. And that's okay.
1: I, I had fun with parts of this movie. Well,
0: um, see, that's
1: good. But when we're talking about it, I'm like, well, now I wish that that stuff wasn't in the movie so it could have. There's a, there's a way to have fun with your movie and then progress your plot. People are always going to like mention Back to the Future because it's doing that perfectly. Every scene in that movie has forward momentum and it's super fun. Um, this movie is just doing one or the other. And I you know, I think that if this movie had just like gone through a couple more drafts, you would have had a better movie for it,
0: yeah, well, I mean, you know perhaps, perhaps, but you know, we know he goes down the he goes down the, the i don't know this mirror, you know it's 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 basically another dimension, black hole, you know, something goes down there, um you know, it has that little short scene with that flying i don't even know what that was, but I thought it was kind of cool, grabbed his shotgun spun it in its finger and shot the, shot the rope. Cause he was, he was coming down, he was coming down through the mirror and, and on a rope. And I just kind of liked that scene. I, I thought it was kind of hokey and, and funny. I remember, I remember when I saw this in the theater, uh, it, it got a good laugh. Um, but he, he plummets down into the water. We, you know, we know he's in, he's now in Vietnam, sees his son, gets his son out of the, um, I, I don't know. What is that? A cage or some sort. I don't know what that is.
1: Yeah. It was a cage made out of bamboo rope and
0: chain. T- typical. Which was of crazy. Of, I guess of, of Vietnam. I know, don't the, know. The bamboo more so. um You know, they, you know, his son says, hurry up. He's coming back. You know, so they, he gets them out of there. They, they go back into the water when they come back up, they're basically coming out of the swimming pool. Mm-hmm. So there's different, there's different in a sense, portals or i don't know doors throughout this house that take you to different areas i think it's the same area but you can get to and from
1: you know so i don't know how long jimmy's been down there but has been big ben been feeding on this entire time i don't know Is time different back there i Maybe. don't know I, it I don't honestly know. kind of bothers me because like it's been at least a
0: few months but see you know if you think about this is is any of this really real that's the thing. Is any of it real? How, how do we know this isn't all in, in Roger's head? How do we know this isn't part of his new book? I mean, he is taking, you know, I don't know. Maybe he took too much volume and he's and he's, you know, he's imagining a lot of this shit. You know, it would make more sense. Yeah. I mean, we have no idea how long Jimmy's been down there. I get the impression it's been a while Um, he doesn't, he doesn't look like, you know, he's starving. He looks the same as he did earlier on in the movie when we, we saw him in the flashback. So, um, you know, they, they go to the house and then all of a sudden he opens up the door and there's big Ben. And I, again, another creature I really love. I love the, I love the work on this. It's a, it's it's a, it's a rotted kind of almost zombie fied you know, big Ben uh, army, you know, soldier guy. You know, um, I, I just I, I dig this. I, I think they did a hell of a job when it came to the effects, uh, these practical effects with these creatures, you know, and, and Ben's another one, you know. So they they, they have some conversation, you know, you should have killed me, you know, when you had a chance. And, you know, um, I told you we would, you know, we'd meet up again and here we are. And so, you know, the, the, you know, some kind of fighting ensues. Right. You know.
1: Um, right they fight for like 10 he, minutes Not much happens he kills big ben like two times then he finds out that uh well big ben can't actually hurt him because as long as he's not afraid of big ben he has no power
0: uh, it's kind of it's kind of like well i mean it's like um i mean i, I know we uh, talked about know, this but you
1: need to establish rules you can't just pull it out of your ass at the last minute and this is where, like, the lack of attention comes in. Like, oh, he just needed to not be afraid this entire time. He would have been okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, it just feels like you're, you know, it's it's an ass pool. And ass pools can be a lot of fun. If there's some sort of, like, verisimilitude within the the work. But it's not here. You know?
0: I, I mean, if he's, if he's gone through all of this and he was always afraid of the house and the house always, you know, I don't know, scared him, whatever. And now... You know, he's got to this point where he's just not. Yeah, but room. he wasn't afraid of the house because why would he go back? Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe this is the, the unknown with the house. Maybe that's what intrigued him. And then again, his solitude, you know, maybe he was holding out hope that something that he would come across something, you know, because he knows that's where this his son disappeared was when he was at the house. So, you know, maybe a combination of all those things. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, we we know that he, he has a a revelation, you know, as long as yeah, as long as um I'm not afraid of this house, you can't, you know. What what does he say? I'm not uh I beat you in this goddamn house. <laughs> so he gets his son cuz you know, Big Ben has no more power anymore. If you're not afraid, if you're not afraid of the house or me, then I I can't do anything. So he grabs the the um grenade, shoves it up his ribs and you know, blows them up. Mm-hmm. You know, blows him up, the house catches on fire. Um yeah, and him and uh, uh, Roger and Jimmy ended up outside uh, the uh, the wife, Sandy, or ex-wife shows up um, in a cab right as this is all happening and sees Roger and Jimmy. And of course, she's ecstatic because, holy shit, my my son's my son's back, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's that unknown, man. I mean, you know, you're not sure what happened. What the hell happened to Jimmy? You know, never not knowing is is horrible. So um, but yeah. He he ends up uh, you know he ends up uh, beating Ben the house and and everything else uh, along with it. You yeah, know? well that's the that's the movie. You know, so yeah, I mean that's just about everything. I, I mean, again, is it you know that's the thing? It's like I was thinking about this. We know he's a horror writer, you know, cause all is all in his damn head, man. I you yeah, know, yeah,
1: but I, the movie isn't saying that in any way. And it is if, if if we're doing the work for it, then uh, you know it's a failing on the movie. Um, like there's, there's no reason to think that at all. Zero.
0: The only, the only reason I brought it up was, uh, because of the volume in the, in the medicine cabinet, which I never noticed. Volume
1: doesn't make you dream up wild crazy dreams. It it
0: doesn't. It just makes you paranoid. If if There's like certain side effects and one of them is paranoia. No. I'm just coming up with something, you know, out of my ass right now. No, And I know that's not the case here. No. That's not what's happening here, but you know yeah um, just just for shits and giggles i thought you know i at least bring it up and we can entertain it for like two seconds i'm not i'm not entertained, <laughs> You're not at entertained? All by that idea no, no. So, i think
1: this movie would be even worse if it tried to do that this would be like a happy birthday to me situation yeah like uh, would the movie be better for it maybe not from some drug-induced
0: paranoia though that's for sure so they did um they did a God, I don't know how many sequels they did to this. I know they did at least one. I thought they did a few sequels. There's there's at
1: least four House movies. Yeah, two of them are direct sequels to this one. Uh, And the third one, I
0: don't know too much about. I never. I could tell you. I I I I saw part two again. I saw that in the theater because I liked House one. Um, completely different story. What I loved about it was, um, John Ratzenberger was in part two. Mm. Which, of course, as we know, is Cliff Clavin from Cheers. So in part one, you got Norm. Part two, you got Cliff. I thought that was always pretty hilarious, you know. Um, So and house two was decent. It wasn't terrible. Definitely. I don't think as good as the first one. Definitely more more uh, uh, comedic, you know, a lot more humor. Some of the effects are decent. You know, Um, you would definitely hate it. If you didn't care for this one, you would definitely hate part two. You gotta tighten it up, man. You so, need to tighten these movies up. Shame if I didn't make them. So, anyways, well, well, I guess that's it, man. Anything else you want to talk about with it? Uh it has
1: one of the best horror posters ever. Oh, with the, I love that. the sort of riding hand on the
0: doorbell. Oh my god, I love that artwork. That's awesome. I actually had that poster. Um when they were when the when they um when the movie was out, uh, you know, and, and they still do this these days, they'll give you out a poster, and it's usually a mini poster. And I went and saw it twice. So I think I got two of them, you know, and and I had, I remember taking the one poster and cutting cutting around the hand. Uh because I had the one poster. I'm like, okay, this one's un, unscathed. It's it's good. And then what I did is I, I I took the other poster and I cut around the hand and I like, I don't know, I probably put it on my wall. I just always loved I just always loved the artwork. I just thought it was great. Um and then the ding dong, you're dead. I think there's a couple of different taglines, but I always love that one. But Yeah. Great artwork with that. Right. You know, Um, that's really cool. And it's and I think, too, because uh, there was an alternate poster for Night of the Creeps, which, of course, was Fred Decker. There's a similar poster with a rotting hand. So when Night of the Creeps came out, they're like, that looks a lot like the movie that came out a year ago, House, you know. So I just think it was, you know, with Night of the Creeps, they just dropped the ball on advertising, you know. But, yeah, definitely a kick ass poster and artwork. Yeah. And I'm, the music. The music was done by uh the same guy who did uh Friday the thirteenth, uh, Harry Harry Manfredini or something. I'm probably I'm probably saying that way wrong. Harry Manfredini, I, I love the music. You know, a lot of creepy and I've already I've told you this in the past. I believe if especially if you're gonna have a ghost movie or a movie that's that takes place in a house, you gotta have really good music. And I thought the music was great here. A lot of violin, maybe some cello stuff going on, you know. I thought the music was great, you know. So I can't talk too much about it. I don't remember most of it. No, no. no I, I just remember uh, watching it again today going, I I really, really dig that. You know, I've always dug the music for this, you know, it really sets the tone in a movie, especially a horror movie, especially a ghost kind of house movie. You know, you have to have really good music, you know, because that makes or breaks a horror movie. You can have a phenomenal horror movie. And if your music stinks, eh, you know, you leave and go, yeah, I was OK. I truly believe that. You know, you could have an okay, an okay movie, but the music just adds another element to it, you know, takes it to another level, at least for me. I can't speak for you.
1: I mean, it's not going to hurt
0: the movie. You can just look at most Marvel films,
1: Marvel films, their scores are kind of uninspired, at least all the earlier ones. And it's not like you're
0: leaving those movies like oh yeah someone was off about the movie I'm like oh yeah it was the music. But it's different with the we're talking about a Marvel you know essentially an action superhero movie versus a horror movie. The
1: music isn't it's the only different. thing in a movie though. I, I think a horror saying, movie can like go ahead and be fine with music that is.
0: But but not when you're dealing with
1: original like let's say Halloween.
0: But when you're dealing with horror movies, they build up tension and suspense, and you do that a lot with music. But Halloween like. You just said, dude. If he, Do you if, think, hold if, on a second. Do you think that Halloween without John Carpenter's music would have had the same impact? I'm not saying it wouldn't. It's still a good movie, but the music friggin' made that.
1: The music doesn't make it; it elevates it. Uh, okay. I think I think Halloween would
0: work by itself without the music. Okay, but sorry. It's let, much better let, with let me, the music. Okay, yes. Let me rephrase it. It elevates it. Uh, John, you know John Carpenter. You know John Carpenter's a lot of his movies were elevated by his music. You know, especially late 70s, early 80s, you know, mid 80s, you know, I mean, it added so much to it added so much to the um to the movie. I, again, just just something I, you know, my opinion. Did, please stop I, saying my opinion. I know saying. it's your opinion. I'm not going to stop saying my opinion. I'm going to keep saying it. Um, I don't know. Just 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 my two cents, man. You know, so. But anyways, anything else you want to add? No, I'm good. All right. Well, I guess that's going to do it for uh, our house episode. Um, join us next week. We are going to be talking about John Carpenter. Speaking of John Carpenter his a uh, 1994 uh, in the mouth of madness. See you later. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us at both Twitter and Instagram at ear for fear. You can also check out our website, ear for fear.com. There you can purchase merch and stay up to date on current episodes as well as news and events. We hope you come back and get an earful. See you soon.